Amen. Thou art my King, our Lord and our Savior. He is our King. He is our Lord. He is our God. Amen. You have your Bibles this morning. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. want to look this morning at the importance of forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is one of those things that many people have a problem with. Of course, none of you here this morning have a problem with forgiveness, do you? Uh, we're going to see if you really do or not. But this morning we want to talk about forgiveness. Now here's the thing. If you want to check your spiritual level of maturity, then simply check your level of forgiveness. I mean, that they go hand in hand. So if you want to know, you know, your spiritual level when it comes to your maturity in Christ, just check your level of forgiveness. Are you able to forgive others? You see, for many believers... Uh, uh, forgiveness is not one of those things that come easy. And possibly there's some of you here this morning that that's, that meets the case. That it's not, it doesn't come easy. Whether it's one of those things that many people must learn. You know, as Paul said about contentment, you remember Paul said, I have learned in whatsoever state I am in therewith to be content. In other words, Paul was saying, look, uh, contentment didn't come easy for me. But Paul is saying, but as I began to mature in Christ, I was able to learn how to do it, and it became easier and easier for me. Now, here's the thing. The thing is true, or the same is true with forgiveness. It's one of those things I believe that many have to learn how to do. And as we begin to practice forgiveness within our life, then it becomes easier and easier for us to do. You know, I hear people from time to time say this, and possibly some of you have said this, you know, well, I can forgive them, but I will never forget what they've done to me. Or I will never forget what they said to me. Now, though they may, that may sound good to them by saying that and making that statement, they're really... It may make themselves feel better about themselves, but can I tell you something? If you use that statement, you're only fooling yourself, okay? You're only fooling yourself. What that attitude is saying is simply this. I'm going to forgive you because the Bible says I must forgive you, but I will never forget what you did to me. You see, I'm not saying that some things in life that happens, you know, can cause emotional scars within our life. And there are even some things that happen within our life that causes physical uh, scars. And because of scarring that happens within our life as a result of what people may have did or said to us, there's certain things that's going to always be with us. It's possible some of you have a scar on your, you know, a physical scar on your hand or your leg or whatever where you cut yourself at one time. And that scar will always be with you. And it's the same when it comes to emotional scars, when people have hurt us emotionally or whatever. You know, sometimes them scars are with us for life. However, forgiving means that though I may remember what you did, or though I may remember what you said to me, here's what forgiveness says, I will never bring it to your charge again. That's what forgiveness is all about. Yes, there's going to be some things that happen in our life. And there's going to be mental scars. There's going to be emotional scars. And as I said, there may be some physical scars as a result of what happened. And that's exactly what God has done for us. You know, God, you know, he, he, he never brings our sins to our charge once again. 
It's kind of like the man and the woman who went for marriage counseling, okay? It was an older couple, but they began to have problems within their marriage, and they went before the pastor, and, you know, the pastor said, well, you know, he asked the, uh, you know, husband, what do you think is wrong in this relationship? And the husband said, well, every time we get in a fight, she gets historical. And the pastor looked at him, he said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, I mean historical. She's always bringing up the past, okay? She's always bringing up history. And that's the way it is with people who have a problem with forgiveness. They're always bringing up the past. They're always bringing it to someone's charge. Here's what you did to me. You see, a, prob- a person with a problem of forgiveness, they keep score. They keep score of everything that's happened, you know, in their life. Everything that this person's done to me, they keep a record, they keep a score. And then when they they get in an argument with this person or they have a disagreement with this person, what do they do? They bring up the past. Can I tell you something? If you're constantly bringing up the past of what someone has done to you, you have a problem with forgiveness. Amen or oh me. Because what we need to understand is forgiveness means I may remember what you did, I may remember what you said, but I'll never bring it to your charge again. You're not going to get historical with that person. Now, forgiving others is is not just something we should do because God requires it as his children, but the scary part about forgiveness is in the fact that the manner in which we forgive others is going to have an effect on how God forgives us. Let me say that again. The manner in which we forgive others is going to have an effect on how God forgives us. Now, let's see what Jesus says about this mandate. And yes, it is a mandate that we as his children learn to forgive others. Let's see what God has to say about this. Now, as Jesus just finished up teaching his disciples to pray, his disciples had heard Jesus in prayer and they said, we've never heard no one pray like this. So his disciples came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Matthew chapter 6. And Jesus said, okay, when you pray, pray like this. Now we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's actually a model prayer. Now as soon as Jesus finishes teaching them, you know, the, the model prayer here, he moves right into forgiveness in verse 14 and 15. And the first thing that we must understand is that God forgives me in the same manner that I forgive others. Look at verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, now that word if means what? A condition. Anytime you see the word if, it is a conditional statement. So Jesus says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, you do your part, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, do you see there is a condition on forgiveness? If you forgive others, then God will forgive you. If you hold resentment against someone else and refuse to forgive someone else, then you're going to have a problem receiving forgiveness from God. Look at verse 15. This is what he says. But if you forgive men not their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Now, that's pretty deep, isn't it? That, 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 that gets to the point. Here's the thing. When I forgive others, 
God forgives me. That's what he's saying in verse 14 there. Jesus could not make this idea of forgiveness of sin any clearer than he does here in verse 14. Our forgiveness of sin from God. In other words, if we're going to receive forgiveness of sin from God, then that is contingent on our forgiveness of others who have trespassed against us. Look, we as God's children got to learn to turn some things loose, okay? We got to learn to turn some things over to God and allow God to handle these things. You know, why would we expect God to do something for us that we're not willing to do for others? And that's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus was basically saying this. If you want me to forgive you of your wrongdoing, then I expect you to forgive others of their wrongdoing. Now, that's pretty tough. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage. You want me to forgive you? Then you forgive others. If you're not willing to forgive others, I will not forgive you. Now, look, when I fail to forgive others of their wrongdoing... You know, to me, God holds back his forgiveness from me. But look at verse 15 again. But if you forgive men not their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you your trespasses. You know, I believe the reason that so many believers, you know, go through life feeling that God is not hearing their prayers. And probably all of us at one time or another in our life, we felt God is not hearing me. I'm crying out to God and God is not hearing my prayer. Or maybe we, we, we ask God forgiveness of a sin that we do and, and we still feel guilt of that sin within our life. You know, I think this could possibly be a direct result of that person still holding a grudge against someone who wronged them years ago. And because they have failed to forgive them, God has not forgiven them of their sin. And they're still feeling that guilt within their life. And they're not understanding, you know, why is this still haunting me? Why is this still haunting me? Look, I like the way Eugene Peterson puts this in uh, uh, the, the uh, our, uh, verses 14 and 15. I think we got it up here on the screen for you. Here's the way Eugene Peterson paraphrases this in the message. He says, in prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, in instance, without forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. Now, that's pretty serious, folks. In other words, what Jesus is teaching us here in Matthew 6, verse 14 and 15, you want me to forgive you, then you forgive those who trespassed against you. If you refuse to forgive those who trespassed against you, you're not going to receive my forgiveness. Wow. You see, what Jesus is saying is, how can you ask God to do something for you that you're not willing to do for another? Now, when and how often am I supposed to give others? Boy, this gets deep here. When am I supposed to forgive them? And how often am I supposed to forgive them? Turn over to Matthew chapter 18. Just flip over there a few pages in your Bible. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to look at verses 21 and 22. Because Peter wondered this one time too. You see, the rabbis used to teach that three times, you can forgive a person three times and then you're not, you're, you're not obligated no more. I mean, that's what the rabbis taught. So Peter, you know, he had a, kind of had this idea in his mind that, 
Well, you know, our teachings in the synagogue say three times is enough. So Peter was going to be generous here. Peter was going to double that, okay? Peter was going to say, well, you know, the rabbis say three. Maybe if we go seven, that'll be okay with the Lord. Let's look at what, what, what he says here. Matthew chapter 18, beginning with verse 21. Then came Peter to him, to Jesus, and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Good question, isn't it? Gerald, how, how many times do you have to forgive me for dropping a tree on your air conditioner? Okay? Okay, look here. And Peter says this. He says, Jesus, how often do I got to forgive him? Seven times? Again, Peter was kind of being generous because the rule of thumb in the synagogue was three. So he said, well, I'll double that. Maybe Jesus will be content. Okay? And Jesus said to him... <laughs> I say not unto thee until seven times, but seven times seventy. Now, this kind of threw old Peter for a loop because he thought he was being generous at forgiving someone seven times. Jesus was not saying, now let's get this down. Jesus was not saying, keep a record of how many times you've forgiven a person, and when you reach 490 times, then you're no longer obligated to forgive them. It'd be kind of hard to keep account to 490 times, wouldn't it? But that's what Peter was thinking. Actually, you know, many people have a problem, you know, and difficulty uh, just forgiving someone once. But 490 times? All right, you know, many people have a problem forgiving someone just once, but can you imagine 490 times? Now, actually, the number seven is a number of completeness. So Jesus, by saying seven times 70 times, could mean, could say, infinity time infinity. In other words, we are for, to forgive indefinitely. There's no number of times we have to forgive, folks. We should be able to forgive indefinitely. Now, here's the thought. Here's the thought. If God had a certain amount of times that he forgave you, would you have met your limit yet? Hmm? Just a thought. Would you have met your limit yet? You know, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God said he will cast my sins as far as the east is from the west and remembering them no more, no matter how many times I have sinned against him. Now, the second thing is this. Even if a person, now this is the difficult part for some people, okay? Even if a person does not seek forgiveness, we are to forgive them. Even if they don't come to us and say, I know I wronged you, please forgive me. They don't have to do that. We as God's people must just forgive. Now, here's a, this is difficult for many. The scripture doesn't say anything about the person who has offended you asking forgiveness. We're to forgive whether they seek forgiveness or not. How many times have I heard a person use the excuse, well, they haven't asked me to forgive them. 
And you know what? You're probably praying they won't ask you for, to, to forgive them because you don't want to have to deal with forgiveness. But look here. This is a wash by saying they haven't asked for my forgiveness. You should be able to forgive them in order to maintain your relationship with Christ. Now, the third thing we see here is this, the result of my unwillingness to forgive them. Turn to Matthew chapter 18. Well, you're in Matthew 18, but look on down at verses 23. Begin with verse 23. My, uh, uh, the result of my unwillingness. What if I don't forgive them? What if I make the decision I won't forgive them? Well, we've done seen that Jesus said, if you're not going to forgive them, I'm not going to forgive you. That's one aspect. But look at verse 23 in Matthew 18. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain man. Now, you may want to circle the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to come back to that. It's likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. But for so much as he had not paid, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down, and he worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I'll pay you. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him his debt. But the same servant, uh, servant went out, and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him, and he took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, just like he had just did, huh? And he besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And he would not. But he cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done... They were very sorry and came and told unto his Lord what he had just did. Then his Lord, after he had called him, uh, said unto him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all of your debt because you asked me to. Shouldest not thou have done, uh, had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors? till he should pay all that was due to him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also to you if you from your hearts forgive not every one of his brothers their trespasses. Wow. Wow. Let's dig into this. Notice the context here. The kingdom of heaven. Okay? So what that's saying there is, therefore Jesus is speaking not about lost people, the context he's speaking in is to believers, the kingdom of heaven, those who belong to the kingdom of heaven. So he's not talking to lost people. Jesus is letting us know that as believers, you know, if we're not willing to forgive as God has forgave us, we're going to encounter a problem here. We're going to encounter a problem. You see, and when we, when they seek for, uh, when we seek forgiveness of God, and there is someone we haven't forgiven, we're not going to receive that forgiveness. What could these problems consist of? Okay, First of all, one could be turned over to the tormentors. That's what we see took place here. You see? Now, that's a pretty scary thought. Because if I refuse to forgive a person in the same manner that God has forgave me, 
he might just turn me over to the tormentors. Now, that don't mean you're going to lose your salvation. That don't mean he's going to turn you over to demons and the demons are going to possess you. That's not what he's talking about there. Let me explain that. Some of the most miserable people I know are believers who are unwilling to forgive another person. That's some of the most miserable people I've ran into in my 30 plus years of pastoring. Are people who are miserable because they are refusing to forgive someone. You know, they hold on to a grudge until it turns into bitterness. And then the result is that that, that bitterness controls them day and night. They can't sleep. They can't stop thinking about what that person did or what that person said. They're, they're miserable and they cause everyone around them to be miserable. You ever been around a miserable person? They're not happy unless you're miserable with them. And that's what happens here. They're being tormented, not by demons, but by that bitterness and that, that, that miserable spirit about them. They're tormented by that hatred and bitterness that's controlling their life. And they fail to realize that the other person is controlling them. Now, if you don't miss uh, getting anything else, what I say out this morning, get this. If you refuse to forgive someone and bitterness is controlling your life, anger is controlling your life, misery is controlling your life because of your unforgiveness to another person, you know what? That person's controlling your life. That person is controlling your life. And the bad thing about it is you're allowing that person to control your life because you're of your unwillingness to just forgive. Pastor, you, 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 you ain't never been through what I've been through. You know, you don't know what that person did to me. You don't know what that person said to me. Let me tell you something. There's been people in my life in the pastorate. You know, the most cruelest people I've run into is not lost people. It's believers. It's believers. And in my 30 plus years of pastor, and let me tell you something, there's been church members who have said, did terrible things to me, about me, about my family. And if I was to hold on to every one of those things, let me tell you something, I wouldn't be standing before you now. I've learned to forgive. Because I have learned if I don't forgive that person, that person is going to control my life. How are they going to control my life? Because of the bitterness and the unforgiveness in my life. So I've had to learn to forgive. And you have to learn to forgive. In order for that your relationship with God will continue to be what God wants it to be. Look, wouldn't it be better to just forgive that person and move on with your life rather than living in torment the rest of your life? Doesn't that just make sense? Now, the second thing that can be a result of my unwillingness to forgive is my sins aren't going to be forgiven. We've done seen that. My sins aren't going to be. That is why Jesus was saying to Peter in our opening text, but if you, Peter, will not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive yours. Peter, the forgiveness of your sin is conditional 
upon you for giving others. This morning, my word to you is, the condition of God forgiving you of your sins is based upon your forgiveness of others. And if you're not willing to forgive a person who has done you wrong, said bad things about you, then you're giving up the right for God to forgive you. For God to forgive you. In the model prayer, you know, Jesus taught his disciples again, and forgive us our debt as we forgive our debtors. Remember the model prayer? The Lord's Prayer, we call it? Forgive me my debts. Forgive me my sins as I forgive my debtors. Now think about that for a moment. What is Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying in the model prayer, forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us. What Jesus is saying is, in the same manner that I forgive others, I'm asking God to forgive me. So if I'm not forgiving others, what am I asking God? God, don't forgive me. Don't forgive me. So if I'm refusing to forgive someone, then I am in essence asking God to not forgive me. Now the third thing that's going to be a result is my prayers are going to be hindered. My prayers are going to be hindered. Because unforgiveness is a sin. Okay, we all agree, I believe, unforgiveness is a sin. And sin separates us from God. Then when we're separated from God, He is unable to hear our prayer. Then it stands to reasons that My prayers are going to be hindered. Now, the fourth and final thing is this. What is the formula for learning forgiveness? You know, it wouldn't be right for me to just tell you, you know, your sins aren't going to be forgiven if you don't forgive others. What is the formula? How can I learn forgiveness? What can I do, Pastor, in order to make forgiveness a regular part of my life? Let's dig into that. Turn to Ephesians 4. 432. Paul taught the church at Ephesus the formula. And I'm going to bring that formula to you this morning. So when you go out of here, there's not going to be any excuse why you can't just go out of here and have forgiven everybody who has ever sinned against you, huh? That would be nice if it was that easy, wouldn't it? But let's look what Paul had to tell the church at Ephesus. Ephesians 4, verse 32. And he said, now this is the formula. This is how you can learn forgiveness. Be you kind one to another. Now let's just be honest for a moment before I go any further with that. Isn't it natural if someone offends you for you to just turn around and offend them? Isn't it natural if someone does you wrong that you're just going to get right back at them? Isn't it natural if someone says something bad about you, what are you going to do? Nowadays, you get on Facebook and you just spill your guts, you know. I hate it when I see people just hang out their dirty laundry on Facebook, all right? I'm not a part of Twitter and all that other stuff, Snapchat or whatever that mess is. But I see enough of it on Facebook and I look at myself, I think to myself, what is wrong with these people? Hanging all their dirty laundry out. But here's the thing, you know, be kind to one another. If someone does you wrong, you do not have to retaliate. You do not have to lower yourself to their standard just to get back at them. So Paul says, be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now, let's break that down. First of all, be kind to others no matter how cruel they are to you. And for some, you're going to have to learn how to do that because it's not natural. You see, in other words, kill your aggressor with kindness. You know, I've learned a long time ago when people are aggressive against me, I just smile and I'll be aggressive. You, you, let me tell you what will make somebody mad. You know, I'm not giving you the, the, the permission to do this. But when someone cuts you off while you're driving, okay, instead of waving at them with one finger, that some people like to wave with, you know, I don't know why people wave with one finger. You know, just smile and just wave at them with all five. Can I tell you something? That makes them mad. Now, don't do it just to make somebody mad. But be kind. Be tenderhearted, he says. Okay? You know, if you kill your aggressor with kindness, let me tell you, they don't like that. But when we respond negative towards someone who's trying to offend us, we're playing right into their hand. Because that's what they want you to do. They want you to get down in the mud with them. They want you to get down to their level. Don't give them that privilege, okay? Now, the third thing is this, you know, uh, be tenderhearted. Or second thing, uh, no matter how hard-hearted they are towards you. In other words, don't return evil for evil. Rather, react with a tender heart. Third thing, being kind and tenderhearted, that will lead to a forgiving spirit. It's going to be a process. But once we begin practicing kindness to those who offend us, and once we begin responding with a tender heart, rather than returning evil for evil, then that kindness and that tender heartness will begin to develop a forgiving spirit within our life. And then the fourth thing here is, love others no matter how bad they treat you. Love them no matter how bad They treat you. So Paul says the formula to learning forgiveness, be kind to people. Those who do you wrong. It's easy to be kind to people who are kind to us, isn't it? But you know what? It's Christ-like to be kind to people who are not kind to us. And respond with a tender heart, he says. And when you do this, okay, you will begin developing a forgiving spirit that will become a part of your life. Here how Paul worded it to the church at Colossia. I'm going to put this up on the screen. Look, I, I pulled it out of the New Century Version. I like the way the New Century Version words this, but Colossians 3, beginning with verse 12. Paul said this, God has chosen you and made you his holy people. You're here today and you know Christ as your personal Savior. God chose you. You accepted his call. And he's made you a holy person, okay? He loves you. So always do these things. Paul says, here's what you got to do. Because Christ loves you, because Christ forgives you, because Christ died for you, because Christ has made you holy, show mercy to others. He says, be kind, be humble, be gentle, be patient. Get along with each other, (laughs) okay? Get along with each other. And forgive each other. You know, if a person does wrong you, forgive that person. Why should I forgive that person? Because the Lord has forgiven me. Okay? Verse 14, do all these things. But most important, love each other. Love 
is what holds you all together in perfect unity. Wow. Some powerful words. You see, here's the thing. The choice to forgive lies on my back, not on the back of others. In other words, it is my responsibility to make sure that I forgive others no matter what their response to my forgiveness is. You say, well, what if I, you know, forgive them and they don't accept that forgiveness? Just don't worry about it. You've done your part. You've given it to God. You've walked away. Now, in closing, let me give you the term here. The term forgiveness actually means giving up resentment. That's what it means. I'm willing to give up the resentment I have against that person. I'll never bring it to their charge again. Yes, I may have some mental scars by what they did or what they said. Yes, I may have some emotional scars as a result of what they did or what they said. I may even have some physical scars as a result of what they did. But I am going to let them control my life. I'm going to forgive. And I'm going to move on with my life. You see, it's an internal process. It's a healing process. And when I forgive someone, it's not about them. It's not even about what they did. It's about allowing me the freedom to move past it. Because if you don't move past it, you're going to be a miserable person. And you're going to make everyone you're around a miserable person. But as long as I hold on to my resentment, the other person's actions holds power over me. And my life is worthless. Because I'm not able to live my life at the fullest. So what about you this morning? Is there someone here someone watching us, that someone has wronged you and you have held on to that, you have held on to that. It's like, a, it's like getting a thorn and it, be, it is festered and festered and festered. See, here's the problem. One day it's going to bust. And it's not going to be pretty when it does. So maybe this morning you need to just lay that down at the foot of the cross. You need to bring that to the altar and you need to give it to God. And you need to say to the Lord, Lord, give me the ability, give me the strength to forgive this person. I'm laying it here before you. I'm walking away from it. Teach me to forgive. Give me strength to forgive. Give me the ability to forgive. Give me the ability to love that person even in spite of what they have done me. And look, you're going to see your life do an about face. You're going to begin to see your relationship with God more powerful. You're going to begin seeing more, uh, uh, you know, your, of your prayers answered. Because, I mean, Jesus was plain about it. It's going to hinder your prayer life. Why not give it to God this morning? If you're here, you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, don't leave this place this morning without turning your heart and your life over to Him. We're going to have a song of invitation. And this is the part of the service to where you respond to God's call. If it's for salvation, we're going to invite you to come. If it's because of some unforgiveness you've been dealing with, why not just bring it down to this altar, lay it down, walk away from it, leave it right here. 
All right, we'll sweep it out when we clean the rug. We'll vacuum it out when we clean the rugs, okay, this week, okay? Leave it here. Leave it here. Let's pray.